Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. As you all know by now, this podcast is pretty much a love letter to old Hollywood. So this week, we're paying tribute to the talented, unforgettable performers who left us in 2019 on our annual In Memoriam episode. And just as we were last year, Frank and I are joined by our friend and fellow showbiz obsessive, Oscar-nominated screenwriter and producer, and I think you wore an orange wedge? He wore an <laughs> orange wedge. Through. He wore an orange wedge to the Academy Awards. <laughs> and and I, I heard like every star there said, where can I get one? <laughs> they thought it was something to promote the citrus industry. <laughs> you should have said the migrant workers. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually, a couple of people knew I went to Syracuse and thought, oh, you're supporting the Syracuse Orange. Nope, nope, not. And, and now the Oscars is uh, giving a special award to Cesar Romero. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Because of that. <laughs> no kidding. Anyway, it's producer Michael H. Weber. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's great to be back. Screenwriter and producer. Yes, yes. Michael H. Weber. uh, As the only repeat guest who's under 100 years old. uh, (laughs) This is why you guys invite me back, because I'm least likely to die year to year. You can find the building without help. Right. It's like kind of a sure thing I won't be dead. I was planning on taking out a gun and shooting you (laughs) across the desk. Just... What do we refer to you uh, as tonight? Guest eulogizer? <laughs> oh my God. Michael H. Weber? Well, in that, in that case, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> yes. I'm the angel of death. Yes. There was a second uh, one of our listeners who stole your thunder who wore an orange I, I heard. I heard. Yeah. Well, let's hope that trend continues. I, I think it was Liam Neeson, really. Well, yeah. We will... Uh... <laughs> He's a big fan. By the way, we'll know in a few days. I mean, this will have probably aired by then if Scott and Larry are nominated for Dolomite, Ooh. which I, I hope so. Uh, I voted for them today. Oh, wonderful. Um, they it, should be. Th- you know, there is an expectation that they're going to wear an orange wedge pin. <laughs> okay, or, you've shamed them. And if they do win... One will pull his pants down, and the other. You know they love us, but I'm not sure they love us that much. When do they announce? Uh, we're we're the, recording this on January seventh. Uh, nomination voting ended today. Okay. Uh, the nominations are announced the morning of the thirteenth. Okay. So. Okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. By the time, well, by the time this is uh, you're hearing this, you'll know. I love those guys. So I love I'm, them I'm, too. I'm, Fingers crossed. I they were they were they should have been nominated for Ed Wood. They should have been nominated yeah. for Dolomite People versus was a Larry lot of Flynn. fun. They should have been nominated for Problem Child. That's <laughs> I should have been. Yes. You got robbed too, guys. That's him. <laughs> oh, well, where do we begin? We lost some good people in 2019. It seems like we lose good people every year mm. we do this. And uh Mike is morbid like us. So he said I'd like to do this again. I'd like to pay tribute to some of these people. He's also a listener. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's so uh, you get our vibe, of course. You of get course. our jam. And since we have a particular fondness for character actors on this show, why don't we start there? Great. 
with the A's. I'm not doing this alphabetically. <laughs> but let's talk about Rene Arbogenois, who is somebody that yes. we actually wanted on this show and never got to him, which is a recurring theme. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you'll be saying that a lot. Of, I wish you'd have gotten to I saying that a lot. But there's also people we did manage to get on the show, so we'll talk about well, them as well. Well, there's those people who agreed to do the show and then died a day later. Was that's he one of them? No, yes. no, no. He was yes. not one of them. No, okay. no, no. No. <laughs> no. But there, there, that's a whole other list. What's he going to do? That's a yeah. whole other episode. Yeah. But uh, Rene Aubergenois did everything. Born right here in New York City. Which is also recurring a recurring motif. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know yeah. how many of these people were born in New York? It, we'll see. There's a lot of overlap, actually, between a lot of these people. It's a lot of overlap. The guy did everything. He was in Altman Stock Company. He was in MASH. He was in McCabe and Mrs. Miller, a movie I love. He was the original Father, Father Mulcahy. Yes. Oh, in yes. MASH. The, the, the structure of Brewster McCloud... With with him, uh, oh, uh, yeah. sort of speaking to the camera, right. lecturing, right. and gradually turning into a bird, yes. is still one of the most amazing things in in all of film. Did you do research on him? Did you find that he, he was the great great great? Uh, his Napoleon sister was his great 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 grandmother. I saw that. Isn't that weird? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. he kind of reminded me at times of and now. Of course, getting a mental block on Mr. Smith from Lost in Space. Oh, uh, Dr. Smith. You mean uh, Jonathan Harris? Yeah. Jonathan Harris. Yeah. Because I thought, here too was a New Yorker, and he always came across like he was kind of British. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was French. I mean, I thought he was French-French, but born in Manhattan. Right, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's also uh, only one of 32 actors to appear with the original Star Trek cast... He was in uh, Star Trek VI, the uh, the sixth movie, and also um, a spinoff. That's pretty cool. Because he was in a cast member of Deep Space Nine. That's pretty and cool. And that's only been done 32 times, which he, is, not that's not a lot of people considering yeah. how many Star Trek things there have been now. He, he, he's in the King Kong. He's in the Dino De Laurentiis King Kong. Oh. oh. <laughs> he's in the Big Bus, uh, how? which we'll talk about. So he Do you know about in, the Big Bus? No. Oh, he we'll he was in it. some good, successful <laughs> movies. Yeah. And by the way, he was in the MASH movie, and he turned down a part in the TV series. That's correct. Ooh. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. He had a TV career. I mean, he was on Boston Legal. He was on Benson. Benson. He had a big career. He did a lot of stuff. And he was he was in a movie that I auditioned for. Uh My Best Friends a Vampire. <laughs> yes. Do tell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what part did you audition for I, in My I, Best Friends? I guess like the assistant of the vampire killer. Did you chemistry read with him and not have chemistry? N- yeah, <laughs> yeah. There just was something between us. Apparently That's uh, gonna be in my book. Craig, though, our I, friend Craig Bierko, I think, was in was in Boston Legal uh with Renee and said some nice things about him. He's apparently a beloved guy, married to the same woman for fifty six years did a lot of charity work with uh, uh doctors without borders and would have been perfect for this show mm. and yes i'm gonna say it a lot yeah but he was just and he was on my i have this giant grease board at home with just like 200 names on it and it's just it's heartbreaking when i have to get that marker out and just and he popped up in everything yeah and who knew he was sick he was a relatively young man yeah anyway how old was he 79 yeah i mean by today's standards yeah Here's another great character actor who passed uh, at 78, and Gino was actually in pursuit of this person, and that's uh, the great Robert Forster. Uh, um, terrific, yeah. Another New Yorker. Medium cool. Oh, yeah. Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. Wonderful I, stuff. I read somewhere uh, his dad was an elephant wrangler 
for <laughs> Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh, that's cool. Wow. And and as a tribute to his dad, it's why in Jackie Brown you can see a Ringling Brothers poster over his shoulder in the oh. movie as a tribute to his father, which is cool. Oh, wow. That is very cool. Good movie, Jackie Brown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that was a part of a lifetime for him. You know, I it's feel like nice when Tarantino was... rescues those actors. Oh, I love it. I feel like those that movie was underappreciated at the time coming off of uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And and yeah. I like, yeah, too, to in the movie, it's like he's being honest. He says, you know, I, I didn't like the way I was aging, so I had some uh, hair plugs uh, put in. <laughs> and I thought, here, he's admitting it to the audience. Medium Cool is a movie people need to see. Yeah. Yeah. We had Peter Bonners, who was the sidekick, who was the other the other guy, the sound man. Wow. In 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 Medium Cool on the show. And stupidly we never asked him about it because we just talked about the Bob Newhart show. I had finally seen it in a theater last year, the Metrograph downtown here in New York had a screening of uh, Medium Cool because I'd never seen it on a big screen and it was it's 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 really incredible. You brought up Larry Karaszewski. Our friend Larry said he was the ni- literally the nicest man and an amazing storyteller. So once again, I'll kick I'll kick myself and, for not getting him on the show. And and tying into another name, we'll talk about uh, uh, later. Yeah. Uh, when Robert Forster worked with um, Pam Greer. Yeah. Um, in Jackie Brown, that was actually the second time they'd worked together. The first being uh, in Larry Cohen's movie. Original Gangsters. Oh, very good. (laughs) (laughs) And Larry Cohen, we will get to later. Uh, You know, he was in, uh, he he was supposed to be Sheriff Harry Truman in the original Twin Peaks. Really? And couldn't do it. And then when Michael Onkeen turned it down for the reboot... He got to he got to play that part. Lynch, I love Lynch those casting back. what ifs. Me too. Uh, he's in the he's good in the Descendants, that Alexander Payne movie. Uh, really good in everything. Um, apparently, there was a one like a, a a seven hour audition for him to get that part in Jackie Brown. Did you find that in no. the research? Wow, which is very interesting. Which he called his first meaty role in twenty five years. And here's good research on him. He was a member of the Triple Nine Society. Right, he was like a real like a legitimate genius. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh. an, an IQ in the above ninety nine. 99 percentile. Oh, boy. So 1% of the people that are tested. And they put him in so IQ. many dumb movies. And he was in the black hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was and in Reflections the in a Golden Eye, which is terrible. Stupidest so films possible. They put him in. <laughs> Here's another character actor who was an occasional leading man who passed at only 75. Rutger Hauer. Uh, Dutch, born in the Netherlands. Can't say he- that one was born in New York. Uh, I I always remember uh, his speech that he gave, and they say he ad libbed it. And he says, "Oh, in Blade I, Runner, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, seeing ships on fire off the shoulder of uh, your, your, you know, Orion." And uh, oh, that speech, the, be- yes, the speech yes. before he dies, tears in the rain, tears in the rain. Yeah, yeah. They he- said he gave that he. Thought that speech up himself. Yeah, he apparently he like rewrote it the night before, but that that final line of tears and rain he came up with, which is amazing. And he actually he he turned down the lead in Das Boot to 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 take that part in Blade Runner. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, Roy Batty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But also, very. Did you ever see a Dutch film called Soldier of Orange? No. That Paul Verhoeven made. He's he great. worked with Verhoeven a few a times. A couple of times. Because I also saw. Um, that that he was Verhoeven's first choice to play RoboCop. 
Oh. And then I guess like Peter Weller like blew him away on the audition and got the part. But that initially uh, it was supposed to be Rutger Hauer as RoboCop. And, and he's in a very creepy film. I think it's The Hitcher. Yes. Or the Hitcher. Yes. Yes. He he. Had, uh, this is what I found in my research that he had an aversion to violence. He was afraid of violence. Right. And it, because he was born in the middle of World War II. And yet he was in all these violent movies. He was born during the German occupation. And then he like swore off those roles at a certain yeah. point. Hitcher, uh, Nighthawks, the, the the Stallone picture where he's uh, he's a terrorist, uh, Blade Runner. Uh, either one of you familiar with a movie called Blind Fury? No. Where he I... was he was a blind man. So sort of yes, a, <laughs> yes, <laughs> a blind man who yes. kicks ass. Daniel's laughing. Do you know this movie? Produced by Tim Matheson. Yes. Pod, one time podcast. I yes. I I remember, and that's where. I think at one point he's kidnapped and he's in a van and it's supposed to be that <laughs> These he's, are the such, details I he's love. such a genius that he's counting. So by counting, he knows how far he's been and how far to go back. He can tell the speed of the van? Love yeah, it. somehow he can tell it. Well, it's like how how fucking Al Pacino knew everything that was going on in Scent of a Woman. <laughs> right. You know, and you go, wait a minute. No, no, he wouldn't know that. And But yeah, because I think they threw away his stick. <laughs> and so he knew where the this movie, stick yeah. would you be. Know, you know of it. Because he's like, you know... Because you see him go, like, 2012, 2000, and then he kills the two guys and walks all the way back and can find exactly where the stick is, even though he's blind. I've got to see this movie. <laughs> there was a, one other cool thing I read about Rutger Hauer, uh, the, the author Anne Rice, who you know was a yes. best-selling author forever. She wrote uh, Interview with the Vampire, which became a, a huge movie, but was a best-selling book for a really long time. When she wrote the book... She always pictured Rutger Hauer as Lestat. Ooh. Oh, interesting. And that it took so long for the Hollywood process to do its thing and for it to become a movie that by the time it became a movie, he was way too old. And, and, and they sort of took the film in a different direction and it, and it went to Tom Cruise. But in her head, she when she was writing the book, she always wanted it to be Rutger Hauer. I know she didn't produ- she didn't uh, picture Tom Cruise. No, and he's and, good in Lady Hawk too, the Richard Donner movie yes, with Michelle. Yes. Michelle there was Pfeiffer. another film. I'm trying to think of Rutger Hauer. Is it Hobo with a Shotgun? The Hitcher? Uh, no. You know, the, Hitcher, the Hitcher. I said already. Yeah. There's another one. Did he play a killer? Like a well, he played a killer. He played a killer a lot for a guy who had a fear movie. of violence. Uh, yeah. Did a lot of charity work, too. I do deep dives into these people's lives, and you don't realize, unfortunately, till they're gone, you know, uh, how philanthropic they are or altruistic. Here's another actor, Seymour Cassell, a member of the Cassavetes oh, yes. company, who was in, I mean everything, over 200 IMDb credits uh, from Detroit. Um, love him in Steve Buscemi's directorial debut, Trees Lounge. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And also part of the Wes Anderson troupe. Yep. Yep. Later in life and, in Tin Men. Uh, not Tin Men. Rushmore, Rushmore Royal Tenenbaums, Royal Tenenbaums, Tenenbaums, Life he's Aquatic. In, he's in since Ten Men. He's in that film with Greg Kinnear and I think Matt Damon, where they're oh, Siamese stuck on twins. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and he's, he didn't turn down a lot. He's, he's a sleazy, uh, out-of-his-league agent in that and he, when it comes out the Siamese twins, he goes, ah, uh, Cronkite is going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> 
It is amazing the dialogue that you remember yeah. from movies that nobody yeah, saw. I know. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be his clip during the Oscars in memoriam. Yeah. That that's stuck on you moment. If Gilbert what, assembles it. What is the what are some early Rutgerhauer films? I once killing me. Well, Paul's sitting behind you. Maybe he'll do a little research for you. He'll tell us a year later. <laughs> Early, read me some Rutger Hauer films. How the hell do you spell Rutger Hauer? What is it? H-U-E-R. We'll get back to you next I Thursday. Know one of my sisters had a crush on him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Hollywood really ever knew what quite what to do with him. Oh, uh, and he was in that movie that George Clooney made. Uh, um, uh, dangerous. Oh, oh, Confessions of a Dangerous, dangerous Mind. Yes. Yeah, the Chuck Barris, yeah, he he's in that like too. He's like an assassin. Yeah, he's and, in that too. And he's also wonderfully creepy in there because he's like, he poses killing a guy and he wants his picture taken. I have a couple of his early movies. Oh, good. Hard to remember. Yeah. The Wilby Conspiracy. Gilbert's big on the yeah. Wilby Conspiracy. Yes, I love that Katie one. Tipple. Yeah. The Year of the Cancer. What about Spetters? Yeah. Whether the motorcycle movie. I'm in the mid seventies. Yeah. Uh let's see, what else? Max Hevelar? No. Soldier of Orange, we yeah, talked that's about. That's a good one. Pastoral nineteen forty three. Mysteries. These are probably Dutch films. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spetters, yeah. Nighthawks. Nighthawks was I think the first time that uh, that Eureka audiences. Yeah, another. I remember Eureka is that Gene Hackman movie. Yeah, it's a Gene Hackman movie. The Osterman Weekend. Is that the one Sam Peckinpah made? A Breed Apart. No. Flesh and Blood. No. Problem Child 6. Yes. (laughs) Wanted Dead or Alive. (laughs) With 6 you get Egg Roll. (laughs) The Legend of the Holy Drinker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Blind Fury. He's going to tell you about five minutes from now. Oh, it wasn't Rutger Hour. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was was Tim Thomerson. The Blood of Heroes. Well, by the way, we couldn't do this for Seymour because it's 200-something credits. His credits are nuts. You've seen Tin Men, Barry Levinson's uh, movie. Yeah. He's in that. Yes. He's in Dick Tracy. You pointed out he worked for Wes Anderson. Great in Rushmore. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. A, a really good indie called In the Soup. I never I've oh, never seen a, that. a fun movie. Here's a little fun trivia about him. He reportedly gave Slash, the rock star Slash, his nickname. Oh, were they hanging go. out? <laughs> he apparently was fr- was friends with Seymour Cassell's son. Ah. so there you go. How about that? Crazy. Uh, nominated Re- for an Oscar me for five Faces. more Rutger Hauer films. <laughs> okay, it's okay, not okay, going to okay, get okay, fucking okay, killing me. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hold on, we got a couple more here. Wedlock, Past Midnight, Split Second, Beyond Justice, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're out, Gilbert. It turns wow. out it's not Rutger Hour. Yeah. You guys really should have had him on. Yeah. It's Joey Adams yes. that you're thinking of. <laughs> Nominated Chanel for an Sol- Oscar, by the way, Seymour Cassell, for Faces. Oh, it was Arnold Stein. <laughs> so they're often confused. Yes. Here's a, char- here's a character actor of character actors. Uh, Rip Torn. Uh, Died at 88. Oh, my God, yeah. A great character actor and also a great character. Uh, famously fought with Dennis Hopper. And 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 wound up uh, being removed and fought with from from Easy, from Easy Rider and fought with Norman Mailer hit him with a hammer uh, and it's on YouTube you can <laughs> yeah, watch it yes, I mean he literally walks stone. over and clumps him in the head with a hammer <laughs> yeah. and then they just start wrestling on the ground it's yes. crazy yeah yeah that's a great moment <laughs> born in Texas uh, studied with uh, Lee Str- uh, Lee Strasberg in the Actors Studio uh, that that Mailer picture. <laughs> 
is nuts. It is really crazy. I think Marsha Mason's in there somewhere. Right. I have to uh, trip triple. Uh, they shot it out in the Hamptons triple, over one summer. Triple check that. Yeah. He uh, he said he was doing it just to just because he, was, <laughs> he wanted to get him. He wanted to help Mailer get into character. <sighs> I mean, he was nuts. Uh, and Mailer bit his ear, bit a, a portion of his ear off. No, it doesn't look like anything planned because it, he's sort of off in the distance when he walks over to him and hits him with the hammer. And then they just kind of keep the camera rolling. It's crazy. He was an odd guy who had some uh, some run-ins with a lot of different people. Yeah. And of course, there's that incident in 2010 when he broke into a bank in Connecticut thinking it was his house. Right. Because he was drunk. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> he broke into a bank because he had a he had a snootful and thought he lived there. <laughs> By the way, and he, he was, was arrested for it. He was great in defending your life. Absolutely, a movie uh, I yes. love. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with a former podcast guest, Lee Grant. Lee Grant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and and Larry Sanders is maybe my favorite TV show of all time. Mine yeah. too. He is mine too. Nominated perfect. six times, I think, uh, for that part. Endlessly quotable. Based on Freddie de Cordova. Yes. Johnny Carson's actual producer. And and once again, a line I remember. <laughs> Uh, he was when he was in uh, when he was in uh, uh, what you gonna call it? We just mentioned Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders show. He, I, I think they mentioned um, uh, the Go Go's. Uh huh. And he goes, "Yeah, shame about her. She had such a pretty face too." <laughs> 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 There are a million quotable lines of of Rip Torns if you go back and watch that series. Good in um, three three movies to recommend: The Cincinnati Kid, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yes, he's good in, and a movie called Payday. See if you guys can can uh, can find those. And also, Terry Southern wrote the part uh, of George, the lawyer, for him in uh, in Easy Rider. When you guys had, had Peter, a falling out with Honda, when you with, had uh, with, when uh, you uh, had um, Peter Fonda on the podcast, mm-hmm. he talked about that. He did. Yeah, I think he sued him. I think he sued Dennis Hopper was on Leno, and told a, and told a uh, a tale out of school about about Hopper. And I think Hopper sued him he and did. won. And yeah, he won. <laughs> yeah. He won. Yeah, that was a that was a, a really long standing feud. The Men in Black films too. I mean, truly wonderful. There's a guy who could just never be bad in anything. Um, here are a couple of other names. I want to move on to actresses. Oh, we lost Diane Carroll. Hmm. Um, who was a, a pioneer. A legend. Yes. Born in the Bronx. Um, did you ever meet her or work with her, Gilbert? No. Yeah. She started out as a fashion model, big career as an actress. She worked with everybody, Sidney Poitier, Paul Newman. Um, she got an Oscar nomination for a movie called Claudine with first, James Earl Jones, which is very good. First African-American woman to win a Tony. Very good. And the first African-American actress to star in her own series or to even appear in her in, in her own series when she wasn't playing a domestic Right. So yeah, she uh, and she was a very nice lady. I got to talk to her at Chillerfest. Yeah, why I didn't invite her on the show? I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah, because I'm an idiot. Uh, a billion. Well, I've she had a lot of credits. Said that. She had a lot of credits, yes. and she was married to Victor Moan, so she must have had oh, other. She must, she must have had other God. other showbiz stories. She was Jeez. married a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There Did was a, a lot of good work. Died at eighty four. There's a great story about her that. Um, the Oscars uh, were scheduled for a few days after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And uh, the Academy, always being a little behind the times, uh, they were going to go on with the show. And Diane Carroll and a couple other actors got together and said, we're going to boycott the Oscars. I didn't know that. If you don't push back the di- the show. 
uh, and it was it was um, it was her, Sammy Davis Jr., um, Sidney Poitier, wow. um, uh, Rod Steiger, uh, and I'm forgetting the the who the other the Rutger Hauer. Louis Armstrong. Very and, good. And, and uh, because of, wow. of of her pushing that that they you cannot have the Oscars just a few days after this. This is yeah. you know a, a national tragedy. So they they pushed back the Oscars and they delayed the show so that you know that that you know out of out of reverence. That's a great story that I did not find. Yeah, she she did a lot of wonderful work. Speaking of models who became actresses, Peggy Lipton passed away mm. at, at seventy-two. Beautiful woman and a New Yorker. By the way, Diane Carroll's and, from the Bronx. Oh, There's two. And Peggy Lipton was a Jew. She was. I was yes. going to spring that on you. She was Peggy Lipschitz. Yes. <laughs> Nothing getting past you, Married Gilbert. to Quincy Jones, who still is the ultimate dream guest for this podcast, Quincy <laughs> Jones. Like, he won't do like it. Like, if there is one per, if I had one wish, it. It, it would be Quincy Jones comes on this podcast and, for, and for 11 hours. Quincy... Yeah. Come on for one minute, talk about Marlon Brando fucking Richard Pryor, and then you can leave. Now it's officially in memoriam. You realize if you had had Peggy on, there was probably a good chance that Quincy had told her that story back in the day. She probably would have had details about it. Oh, this is horrible. We'll invite Rashida Jones and she if she she knows the story. We'll just get closer and closer to Quincy. Tell Uh, me five more Rutger Hauer films. (laughs) I'm fucking going out of my head here. I could make up the titles and you wouldn't know the difference. He'll tell tell you afterward. Uh, She got four Emmy nominations for playing Julie Barnes on The Mod Squad. Wow. Which I didn't know. And then she stopped working for a long she time. She stopped working came for back 15 and, years. And Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. Um, yeah. She also, by the way, had a relationship with Paul McCartney and Elvis Presley. Wow. Ooh. Now we really missed, oh, God. missed out on an opportunity. We're going to ask the Sybil Shepherd to come on the show Ooh. because she dated Elvis. And she's got she's got to have stories. Here's good trivia about Peggy Lipton. She co-wrote Frank Sinatra's hit, L.A. is My Lady. Really? How about that? Wow. That, that is something. With Quincy and Marilyn and Alan Bergman. That's what I found. Uh, two more actresses who were famous for, uh, I think to most audiences, for television. Kay Ballard, Gilbert. Oh. Died at 93. She was one of mine. She was Kyla Brace. Ah. Worked and toured with Spike Jones. That's Ooh. how long she had been in the business. You know Kay, you know Kay Ballard? Before your time. A little bit. She starred in a, Desi Arnaz, a show that Desi Arnaz created called The Mothers-in-Law. Yes. And with Eve uh, Arden from the, Greece. Who's the other actress? A- Eve Arden. Eve Arden. Yeah. Um, she worked at Perry Como show. Uh, she was discovered doing uh, impressions of Maurice Chevalier at, at age five. She went back to vaudeville. She was one of the few surviving um, vaudeville performers. Wow. Um, had a big stage career, had a big TV career. Catherine Bellotta changed her name to Kay Ballard. Look her up. She did some really, really great stuff. Catherine Hellman passed away, oh. uh, known to, I guess, most audiences from Soap. And who's, and, and who's and, the boss? Yeah. Um, everybody Loves Raymond. And Everybody Loves Raymond. And she was in that one with, uh, what well, I'm forgetting everything, the guy from Monty Python. Oh, she was in Brazil. Brazil. Yes, yeah, Brazil. She's very good and in Family that. Plot. Yeah. Yeah, she's in Family Plot. Yes. Good find. She was in Time Bandits, too. Uh, talking about Terry Gilliam. She was one of those, and the movie Overboard, the Gary Marshall movie, she was one of those people who worked a long time before gaining any kind of notoriety. But she was very versatile. The only actor to appear in all 88 episodes of Soap. The I only one. I didn't know that. 
She was great. You did great, uh, great research. I'm on here. top of it this year. Uh, her friend Tony Danza said she was aces before she died. I sang to her and I played my ukulele. I played "I Go to Pieces" by Del Shannon. I really, really miss her. Uh, she, uh, again, another much loved person. She uh, she wore a bikini on "Who's the Boss" in her 60s. Oh. So you know what? Let's let's. How about that? Yeah, Gilbert. That's something to admire. How about some props for that? Uh, as, and as long as we're talking about TV actresses. Um, Valerie Harper mm. passed away. Someone I actually got to know a little bit. Um, not Jewish, Gilbert. R- now, Rhoda Morgenstern uh, was she, not Jewish. <laughs> what What she said is that uh, Jewish women would come up to her all the time saying, please tell me you're Jewish. And she would say, I, I'm not Jewish, but Rhoda still is. There you go. Her roots were European and French-Canadian. Hmm. Oh. She studied with John Cassavetes. Wow. Joined Second City in Chicago and was still working on a live Second City show when she got the Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, which, by the way, is turning 50 wow. this year, if you want to feel old. Uh, and it uh, it made her a star. And then, of course, the spinoff Rhoda. Back in the days we talk about when there were three TV channels yes. and everybody watched the same shows, just like yeah. everybody watched the MASH finale. Everybody watched oh, Rhoda's she, wedding. Every, yeah, everyone saw her running through the street in her wedding gown. Yep. It was, I, I read a stat, uh, 52 million people, 52 million watched that episode of Rhoda. How about that? Uh, and it was it was the highest rated TV episode of the 70s, and it held that record until Roots at the end of the decade. Uh, and up until that that night of, of Rhoda's wedding... Uh, it, it became the second most watched episode of anything on TV, um, only surpassed by the birth of Little Ricky on uh, in I Love Lucy in '53. Uh, you'll never see those days again. Oh my Where God. everybody's I mean, watching, or the Mash finale. But like a hit show, a hit network show now gets three million people watching. It's like that's that's unbelievable. Times it, have changed. Four million people. I, I I remember. It's like years ago, you could go up to anybody on the earth the day after and say hey did you see on such and such sure. and everybody saw a it. water cooler show they used to yes. call it like laughing yeah, yeah. laughing yeah. anything All any the show then if if you saw it everybody else on the earth alan alda told us that there was a plumbing problem in in uh in in new york because so you know about this because so many people were watching mash that everybody got up to use the toilet at the same time. Oh my Everybody God. took the same well, bathroom they, break. They said they said that water, about a, water a few volume shows problem. like uh, Milton Berle and Sid Caesar, where the the um, the reservoir you could see it lower. <laughs> I believe it. At uh, you, they said that you could see the reservoir lower, lower, <laughs> lower. Uh, uh, when there was a commercial break, because wow. so many people were watching. Times will never come again. She was also in a, a movie you guys have talked about a bunch of times, Freebie and the Bee. Yeah, sure. She's good in that. She's and, in Chapter and, 2 and as yes. well. And now that Marsha brings Mason. us to James Caan, who uh, Alec Baldwin was said he interviewed James uh-huh. Caan, uh-huh. and he said, you've worked with so many great people, great directors, great actors, great films, and James Conn said, yeah, that'll never happen again. 
Really? Yeah. He wow. said that period of show business is over. You're breaking my heart. Yeah. She fought her illness very bravely and very publicly. She was she was sick for a long time, and uh, I got to work with her twice. She was she was delightful. But this was a great quote. She said, "I want people to be less afraid of death while while you're alive, live," hmm. uh, which I thought was uh, was very sweet. She hung on for a very very long time. What did you work with her on? I worked with her on The View twice, ah. and she was uh, she was just great to me, and we got to spend a little time together because I revealed myself to be a Mary Tyler Moore mm. show nerd, and uh, she knew the lines. Whoa. She still knew the lines when I when I set her up. Also, speaking of that show, Georgia Engel, who played Georgette, Ted yes. Baxter's yeah. girlfriend, also passed away. Um, she wow. was spotted in a in a production, a local production of, of Hello, Dolly, and offered a three-day role on the show by Mary Tyler Moore, which turned into... A couple of seasons. Okay. Which turned into and a career changing part. I remember a line that she said. Okay. Here, Mary Tyler Moore, where they wanted to adopt a kid. And she says to the adoption agency worker, you know, like with tears in her eyes, she goes, Do you know what a great father Ted Baxter Oh, the one where he gets be? drunk. Yes. Yeah. And she says, he, he spent the day painting clown faces. On the child's room. And then she goes, okay, he made a mistake. It was the living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're having trouble adopting a yes. kid, and he, and he ties one on. And then the, uh, and then the caseworker makes a surprise visit to yeah, see if they're I, worthy parents, and he's drunk. Um, she passed at 70. Um, in fact, she was on Raymond too. Uh, and there yeah. was almost a spinoff of her character and Fred Willard's character. Really? And it didn't happen. Ah. And she was on The Office, too, as Ellie Kemper's, right. uh, I think she was Ellie Kemper's aunt, uh, or a woman who takes her in on The Office. Very, very funny actress. Let's talk about a couple of legends. This is this is really going from the sublime to the ridiculous. Robert Evans. Oof. <laughs> I, now, Where now do you begin? He... We could have done the entire series talking to him. Yo, we could have done uh, fifty episodes yes. of this show just to call it the Robert Evans podcast. Easily, it's you want to start. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he became head of Paramount when Paramount was sort of in the toilet. Yeah, at age thirty-seven, and the list of movies that he sort of oversaw and and, and shepherded at the studio. Here's just a few, in 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 only a small number of years. Barefoot in the Park, The Odd Couple, Rosemary's Baby, The Italian Job, True Grit, Love Story, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, Serpico, Save the Tiger, The Conversation. All with him at the helm of the studio. Amazing. And Harold and Maude. And Harold and Maude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Harold and Maude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he became he left the studio and became a producer. Uh, and he produced Chinatown, Black Sunday, Marathon Man, Urban Cowboy. And then he later he produced uh, Cotton Club and the Two Jakes and things that got a little That was part dicey. of his downfall. But uh, yeah. that that run he had in the seventies was, I mean, it's and, unbeatable. Did you ever and, meet him? No, yeah. no. And I yeah. just everyone who met him had such great stories. I'm sure, yeah. I, and I know Dustin Hoffman based his Wag the Tail character on him. Oh, Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog. Yeah. Wag the and dog. you know the story yeah. after Robert Evans saw the movie. Yeah. He saw Wag the Dog and then he announced, "I'm magnificent in this film." <laughs> I'll give you one more. Dustin Hoffman based Mumbles in Dick Tracy on Robert Evans. The, pa oh, the part that you lost out on. Yes. I lost <laughs> I lost the movie to Dustin Hoffman. Wow. <laughs> so I can't like I can't complain too they much. They say the story of how he was sort of discovered. He he was a radio actor as a kid, 
but he gave it up and he went back to the garment business. But the story is that he was discovered at the Beverly uh, Hills Hotel pool. You know this story? No. By Norma Shearer who saw oh. him and thought that he should play Irving Thalberg, which was her late husband, wow. in the Cagney movie Man of a Thousand Faces. Oh. And that's how he got the that's part. That's incredible. Now, I don't know if that's in his that's in his documentary and it's in the book, but I don't know. New York City born, by the way, Robert Evans, another New Yorker. Uh, and so the, he, the documentary, he, there's a tremendous documentary he made about his life and career called The Kid Stays in the Picture. It's probably it's from about ter- it's terrific. 10 or 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, maybe 15. Yes. Maybe, it's yeah. phenomenal. Maybe and longer also, than that. The book Easy Riders Raging Bulls, which has come up a lot of times also, he's basically on every page of that book. The, the Robert Evans stories are just unbelievable. That documentary is amazing. Daryl Zanuck cast him also as a Mexican in The Sun Also Rises. <laughs> oh my God. And, a, and a, this is where the title came from. Apparently Hemingway himself... And the other actors were begging to get him out of the picture because he was so terrible. Ooh. And Zanuck <laughs> fired off a famous memo saying, the kid stays in the picture. Wow. And that's where the, that's where the title came from. So uh, when He they made were... himself into a producer because he, he knew he was a bad actor. Smart, smart. Yeah. That's the, that he knew where his, his talents were. He was were. honest about it. He, he actually um, was one of the people uh, fighting Francis Ford Coppola uh, uh, before they made The Godfather because he did not want Al Pacino. Right, they thought he was a runt. Yeah, yeah, so he said he wanted uh, Redford or Warren Beatty and he kept saying that, um, that that Pacino reminded him of Michael J. Pollard, someone will... Oh, talking about short have life. him on the list. That that to 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 Evans, they were basically the same thing, and 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 uh, Evans referred to Pacino as that little dwarf. <laughs> they didn't want any part of Brando either. No, no. no. They, they there's Anthony yeah, I, Quinn was going to be the the Don, and Ernest Borgnine was going to be the Don. I think they even said Frank Sinatra at one point. Right, they were right. Yeah, yeah. And then here's another uh, uh, crazy. Oh, and they said Lawrence Olivier. Really? They were Can you imagine? Wow. I guess he could have pulled it off if anybody could have. <laughs> I guess he could have pulled it off, but you can't. You can't think of anybody else. In no that part. So uh, uh, Sharon Tate invited Robert Evans over the night she was killed. Oh my God! Ooh. Where'd you find and, that? And he declined. That's wild. Uh, and instead, she called Jay Sebring, who, who was killed oh, along with her. Oh, that's wild. The fir- she had called Robert Evans first, and he was just like, nah, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to come hang out. Well, he dodged death a couple of times because he had three strokes yes. and he, and he uh, several incidents. But the Cotton Club, that was the beginning of the end. And then there was the whole Roy Raiden murder, which he right. was not which he was not implicated in, but, but he was questioned. And then he got busted for cocaine trafficking right. in, in 1980. And, and then and, he lost his home. Yeah. And then I guess like Nicholson helped him get it back. I it's think sort so. Of a, yeah. I think seven marriages also took their toll. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> Financially way, and otherwise. That's another theme of this episode. A lot of people with a lot of marriages. A lot of not, marriages. Not Nobody having, beats him. <laughs> not having to do at all with Evans. But uh, Sharon Tate is one of the girls that I mentioned who falls over in a movie and shows her right underwear. <laughs> in one and of the Matt Helm movies. That Matt Helm movie. Yeah, yeah. And Which in is in Once movie, Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. They have, what's her name? Uh, Mark, uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie fall over and show her underwear. It's a great scene when she goes to that movie theater and is watching herself in the theater. And I said, that's the scene I yep. tell everybody about. <laughs> Tarantino got the idea from you, Gil. Yes, yeah, see, I, I'm sure he did. You're basically sure in a Tarantino movie. And 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 uh, see, it's hard to jerk off to the Matt Helm one because she was murdered so <laughs> All right now. <laughs> 
you name one other memor- in memoriam episode as tawdry as this one? Uh, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I will, the last thing I want to say about Robert Evans is that I had the pleasure of watching him get his, his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Really? My friend Rick Willett and I went there and, and, uh, and stood online in searing heat. That's cool. And watched him. And he got up and made a speech, you know, about how Ali McGraw. He still wasn't over the Ali McGraw, Steve McQueen. She left him famously right. for Steve McQueen. If you remember in the documentary, he keeps referring to her as that brat. <laughs> Ali McGraw. I, I heard a story that one time uh, he was a real legend. Steve McQueen was fighting for the rights to uh, his son or a, a child. He was whatever, and and somebody came into the room and showed him a piece of paper, and and Steve McQueen just said, "All right, I give up the case." And so there was some some incri- some horrible thing. On that Oof. piece of paper that I'd love to find out. Oof. You're he... never going to know. No. Yeah. Yeah. Missed that one. Podcast by a few years. It's a... Here's another legend. Albert Finney. Oh, yeah. That's a big loss. He What an actor. He was in, toward late in his career, and the last film that the great Sidney Lumet directed. Oh, that's a great movie. Before when the, the devil, devil knows you're when dead. When the devil knows, knows you're, you're dead. dead. Yeah, that, terrific one. That's one of those movies that in the first minute grabs me. <laughs> I wonder why. That yeah. first minute? Was it the sex scene with Marissa Tomei? <laughs> oh, is that well, where you got grabbed? That's, that's, that is that, the first minute. <laughs> but it was one of those movies where you go, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Where And you're just hanging on every... That's a terrific... And, and also the terrific uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Finney was in great movies for 40, 50 years. Oh, yeah. The, 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 well, yeah. You Tom just Jones, keep going. Two for the Road, Under the I Volcano, Miller's Crossing. Road. Yeah, I love Orphans. Have you ever seen Orphans? No. Alan Pakula? It was, just, it, was a, it was a filmed stage play, but he was very good in it, him and Matthew Modine. So I read that uh, Albert Finney, he had to do a, a four-day test uh, for Lawrence of Arabia for the lead. Oh yeah, and he got the part. And then Sam Spiegel wanted to sign him to like a multi-year deal. That's it. And Albert Finney said, "No, I, I don't do that. I'm not giving you multi-years." Turned him down. And Ooh. then walked away from the movie. Ah. Oh. Turned him down. Made Peter O'Toole a star. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did everything. He did Strindberg. He was part of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, a four-time Oscar nominee. Six. Six times. I've Six. Had, I had Jeez. four. Six and never won. Impressive. Uh, the, before, we mentioned before The Devil Knows You're Dead, which I think, yes, Gilbert's right, it was Lumet's last movie. Wonderful in Miller's Crossing, replacing Trey Wilson from Raising Arizona, who had died uh, suddenly. You ever see a movie called Wolfen? Oh, yes. It's one of his comeback movies. Now, now that that one, though... It's flawed, but he's great in it. And and Chris, but, uh, Gregory but Hines. he's, you know, great actors can have tr- always can have trouble with accents, and he's supposed to be a New Yorker. <laughs> And Alan King, I think, was the producer. That's of right. That. That's right. And King Alan to... King had them write in a line where he said, "Yeah, they used to call me the Limey," and that was to excuse the <laughs> fact that this this guy is not right. from New York. I well, love I'll tell it. you something wild. He tested for the Benjamin Braddock part in The Graduate. That's bizarre. Oh, which is just that's insane bizarre. to think about. You're like, wait, what? He was what? like 50. He was too old. He wasn't 50, <laughs> but he was too old to play that part. It just it makes no sense. <laughs> My God. Movie called Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. I've seen it. It's incredible. Wonderful. The Dresser, which I know he was nominated for an Oscar for. Shoot the Moon, which is depressing and great. Alan Parker's Gilbert, movie. Gilbert, you'll like this. He's the only actor 
to call Audrey Hepburn a bitch on screen. Oh, two for the road's a great very movie. Good. We'll so talk great. about that the director of that movie perfect. momentarily, uh, who also passed away uh, this year. But see these movies, and he declined Knighthood twice. Wow! In 1980 and 2000, calling it, uh, he said it perpetuated snobbery. Wow! How about that? That's, quick quick that's eulogy. A great uh, Malcolm McDowell said Albert Finney was the most influential actor of his generation. He made it possible for actors from the provinces to make it. He also helped filmmakers as a producer. He managed, he fundraised for Lindsay Anderson's uh, movie If, and he produced Oh Lucky Man. Did you know that? No. John oh. Cleese said Albert Finney the best. Uh, terrific actor. And see all of those movies that we just mentioned, uh, including Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, which yeah. Is absolutely. And he was again. the third choice for that, which is amazing. Uh, it was Alec Guinness and Paul Schofield were the first two choices. Any of them would have been great, but now I can't picture anybody no, else. No. And Jacqueline so riveting. was on Murder on the Orient <laughs> yeah. Express. Yes, and why is that relevant? And we had on the show <laughs> who saw a dog eat out Jacqueline Bishop. <laughs> That dog is probably dead now, so we should. We should <laughs> so you do a moment can't jerk off to the dog either. But yeah. the dog wrote a book about it. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> Here's another legend, Doris Day, 97. Wow. From Cincinnati, Ohio, began her career. Here's a long career. She started out with Les Brown and his band of renown. Gilbert, does that mean anything oh, to you? Jeez. Started her movie career in 1948. Worked with Clark Gable, Cary Grant, David Niven, Frank Sinatra, Jack Lemmon, Kirk Douglas, Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Cagney, and, of course, most notably, Rock Hudson. Um, discovered for the movies by the great director Michael Curtiz, who made Casablanca and Mildred and, Pierce. And the very horny Bob Hope <laughs> once one said, one said to Doris Day when he ran into her on the lot, he said, you know, I could play a really nice game of chess on your ass. He said that. Where did you come up with this? I saw that. It was true. Is that in her memoir? Yeah. I don't know. But Bob Hope said that to Darwin. Was that something Bob Hope did on the regular? Wow. Well, he was a horny old fuck. Right, but I didn't think chess was involved. Yeah. Did Bob Hope play chess? Because I read it was part cheesy. That he said to her. Speaking I think of Tur- Stratego. <laughs> so I, I shoot some Dor- ladders. Doris Day. I read, I read some what interesting things. What do you got things. on Doris so Day? Doris she- Mary Ann Kappelhoff. Wow. She turned down the role of Maria in The Sound of Music, and she said, I'm too American to play a nun from Austria. Good. Oh, and she Good turned choice. down Mrs. Robinson. She did, indeed. she said the script was vulgar and offensive. Good catch. Look at and that, then, two people who turned down the graduate. And then she turned down the lead role of, of Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. That one makes you pause for a second. She cause... she also turned down the lead in Showgirls. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> that went to Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Also found it vulgar and offensive. She, of course, was 80 at the time. Uh... By the way, she also dated Ronald Reagan. <laughs> she did. Oh. After Ronald Reagan's uh, marriage to Jane Wyman ended, they dated for a little bit. And at the time, he was a Democrat and she was a lifelong Republican. And she used to say to him, you know, you're so good at speaking and talking, you should tour the country and give speeches. Ooh. How about that? Interesting. How about that? And then, you know, of course, she became, uh, that was the, 
she oh, so involved with that Rock Hudson yeah uh, whole scandal at the time yeah she was she was she publicly embraced him uh, when people didn't know what AIDS was well and she thought you could to not know he was gay that's odd yeah uh, which they, is they made a... five movies or four movies yeah. together that was he was one of those that like. Every single person in show business, if you mopped the floors, you said, oh, yeah. It was, like, well-known, like, accepted, you know, uh, best-known secret. But she did yeah. have him on her talk show. On her talk show, yeah. And her talk show was on, like, the Christian yeah, it was a broadcast Christian, network. Yeah, it was very brave of her. he was her. dying. And so. as I said, people didn't understand what AIDS was. They didn't know that you could make even make physical contact with people. And no, she I mean, hugged him and held his hand. Yeah. She was the actress him very bravely. who kissed him and was, like, terrified. I don't know. There was some actress at the but time. She, uh, she, she kissed Rock Hudson and was really was terrified. Was it Rutger Hauer? It might have been Rutger Hour. I am going to call my sister before the show ends. Was it Misha Hour? Uh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of the Mansons, Ooh. there's a Doris Day connection. I, I know this. I Her know you... son, yes. Terry Melcher, owned the house. Oh. At, uh, what is it, Cielo Drive? It the house that was later that, demolished. That Sharon Tate rented where she was murdered, but... You, you, uh, or he lived in the house, but right, didn't own but, the house. Oh, right. He he rent, uh, or he was the renter that rented so, it out to them. Supposedly, that's but who they Terry were looking Melcher for. But Terry Melcher worked in music. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and there's a scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where where uh, Manson stops by the house a few days beforehand. And the reason, nope. and that really happened, the reason he stopped by the house was he was looking for Terry Melcher. Correct. And Terry Melcher's the person who, I guess, rejected uh, Manson's yeah, attempt I, at writing songs. At least songs. he perceived no, I, it that yeah, way. He wanted to be like a rock star. Right. And I guess there was a theory for a little while that, that oh, maybe. And he that, was involved. He became involved with one of the uh, Beach Boys. Yes. Dennis Wilson. But the yeah. theory was that because Terry Melcher rejected Manson's songwriting, that's why they targeted that house. But then I guess the police later said. I don't know, but, but she, what I, my understanding of it is she told him, he told his mother how spooked he was, and she said, move out. And he moved out of the house. Wow. And then, but she, she lived in fear for years because there were still Mansonites. The ones that weren't arrested or weren't involved with the murders were still floating around. People like Squeaky Fromm. Yeah. There were a lot of people floating around, and she feared some people say it hastened her retirement because she got out of the business after the Doris Day show, for and the most part. I mean, get, she turned down a lot of public appearances. She, right? she got screwed by one of her husbands. She did indeed. Yes. Her second husband left her in the in, uh, deeply in debt. Yeah. yeah, That's why she did the series. That's why she did the, the Doris Day show. And then she was in sort of Carmel, California for the last decades of her life. She turned uh, down a lot of public appearances. Yeah. She would do phone interviews. She mm. was uh, big on the animal cause. Yes. Yes. A woman after my own heart. She started the Doris Day Animal Foundation and the Doris Day pet foundation um a person of, of of real decency and and conscience and she made it to 97 that's one that i i don't Bless think you guys ever would have had a chance of getting her on the podcast no that's no. not one that got away yeah <laughs> yeah that one no there are yeah. people who got away and then there's doris day yeah yeah no. that was never happening Let's... if the graduate was too vulgar uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> as always with every, with every one of these shows there's people we're not going to get to so so i'll apologize in advance because i've written down a lot of names but Time is not going to permit us to get to all of them. But let me mention, since I'm sitting across from a famous comedian, let me mention three famous comedians. Uh, Rip Taylor. Oh, God. Ever he meet him, would... Gil? And, this, and these I... are three people I would like you to know that we pursued for years. Mm. 
I was to once, no avail. I was once on doing a bit on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and and Rip Taylor was one of the guests. And I went to his dressing room, and he just started doing shtick for me. <laughs> That's and awesome. I was like doubled over the dumbest shit. Was there confetti? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was like the dumbest shit you could think of. And it was hysterical. But the confetti bit was an accident, right? It came later. Like, yeah, it was an like accident. He was, it was bombing an... on Merv Griffin Correct. and ripped up the cards. Playing cards. And then people or, yeah. people loved it. Yeah. And, and there were calls into the station or whatever. And it be- then it became his signature. Always one of my favorites. Yeah. Because he wasn't funny unless he was bombing. Yes. In fact, bombing was the whole point. <laughs> With his act. By the way, I thought, uh, you know, Billy Eichner, who you guys should have on the podcast, who is not not just hilarious, but Billy Eichner is of of our tribe of just cares about old Hollywood. Oh, he does? Oh, we'll ask him. He's amazing with all this stuff. I thought he had a really nice tweet when when Rip Taylor died. He said, R.I.P. Rip. I can't imagine how much bullshit you had to deal with in an industry that decided it was finally cool to be a gay man in comedy like a year ago. Nevertheless, you ignored all that and delighted people for decades. I agree. He was hilarious. And a Rip Taylor line that killed me. He said, I went to the Virgin Islands. They gave me a hero's welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Elmer Rip Taylor, a six-decade career. Started out in, the, in strip clubs, pantomime acts. Oh, he did, God. He, he really worked his way up. I, I remember one thing that I had his, his speech memorized <laughs> on it. There was an infomercial for a fortune teller. And he, uh, she supposedly <laughs> predicted that he'd open a casino with uh, Shirley MacLaine. And he said, <laughs> she said I'd open a casino. I never wanted to. And we're opening it next month. And uh, she said I'd be in a movie. And I said, what movie? I, uh, yeah, I develop films. And all the jokes... And and I'm I'm going to be in three films. Who knew? She knew. And I, he believed this, this stuff. Yes. Wow. Well, or they were paying him to believe it. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, I see. It was one of those. By the way, you said he started out pantomiming. Yeah, uh, he had pa- uh, from records. Rec- yeah, but Dick, Dick Van Dyke were, started that but way. But he he was pantomiming Yiddish folk songs. There you go, Gil. Oh my God. Yeah. Would I like to see a uh, tape of that? Yeah. yeah. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. He worked for Sid and Marty Croft. Yes. Uh, the ninety, the dollar ninety eight beauty show. Mm. Chuck Barris. He was a regular on the Gong Show, occasionally on on uh, on Match Game. And Gino Truly funny just guy. showed me a clip. We chased him for a long time. Gino showed me a clip from the telethon of Jerry Lewis, uh, Fred Traffolina, Rip Torn, Rip Taylor. Uh, you mean Rip Taylor? Would have been I mean, great with Rip, Rip Torn. Taylor. Yeah, Rip Taylor. <laughs> Uh, Charlie Callis wow. and Marty Allen. Oh, I got to see this clip. Old singing, uh, make him laugh. Got to see this clip. Hysterical. Gino, who uh, you all know if you're listening to this show regularly, Gilbert hates to say his name. <laughs> so I say his name as, as often as I can. Helps us book this show. Is is this? You know, he's he's uh, he's our our uh, our brother in arms. Okay, enough about it. And him. he pursued yeah. Rip Taylor doggedly. Uh, and he told us he had a book. He was going to wait till his memoir. The memoir never showed up. Rip never showed up either. But uh, here's he a, here's his tribute. Been great, fantastic. Here's another guy who would have been wonderful who died at ninety. Artie Johnson. 
Oh, he, he would have been mm. terrific. And we chased him and chased him, and we just couldn't, uh, you know. And he was on a trike. So, so oh so yeah, was, no. Yeah. But he, he did a lot of stuff. Everybody knows Artie Johnson from Laughing. Yeah, of course, very interesting. Yes. And as the and as the horny old man whose yeah. name was Tyrone Horneye, yeah, <laughs> who pursued endlessly pursued uh, Ruth, Ruth Buzzy, the Randy old man. But uh, you know, he had a career as an actor. He did a lot of stuff. He did sitcoms, variety shows. He was on a Twilight Zone episode oh, called yeah. The Whole Truth. He's in a good movie called The President's Analyst. I love that movie. And yeah, me then too. He James came back for a little while to be in that. Uh, George Hamilton. Oh uh, yes, he uh, played Renfield yes, in, uh, yes. in in Love at First Bite. He was funny in that. Very funny guy. Very funny guy. Yeah, I. And he'd been in were, ill health for we years. We were after him mm. for years. And, and another guy we chased almost from the beginning, almost from the time that we launched this show. Dara pursued him. Gino pursued him, and that's Tim Conway. Oh um, yeah. Um, and that was a tough one because we we really really wanted and him. Tim Conway. I I went up to him. I was doing a commercial, and Tim Conway was also in a, in the commercial. And and I went up to Tim Conway, and I said, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's some story that has to do with Pat McCormick. And he just looks at me <laughs> seriously and goes, helicopter? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he nods his head. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, started out as a disc jockey in Ohio. Uh, his partner was Ernie Anderson. Ernie Anderson, P.T. Oh. Anderson's Paul dad, Paul Thomas Anderson's dad, Goulardi. Crazy. In fact, I believe that the station broke them up. They were a duo. Yeah. In fact, they cut an album together. And I, I hope this is. I have my information right. I believe the studio broke them up. The station broke them up, and that's why P.T. Anderson went off and created. The monster character created Goulardi. Oh wow! Because he was a he was a solo. So I read that uh, Tim Conway's license plate was thirteen weeks, and it's because all yeah. of his solo <laughs> TV projects were canceled after thirteen sure. weeks. The oh, Tim Conway Show, Rango, thirteen weeks. 13 weeks. Turn, turn on only made it one week. Turn on, yeah. <laughs> turn, turn on was the show taken off the day it was on. Yeah, that's infamous, which we discussed <laughs> yeah. with George Slaughter. Yeah. Uh, when he was on the podcast. My uh, grandfather watched those dwarf videos. Seriously? In, during my childhood, <laughs> my grandfather was obsessed with those dwarf, dwarf and, on and golf, dwarf on... I remember seeing uh, Tim Conway on with uh, a, sh- a Scheider. A shi- uh, what's his name? Oh, the guy with the smoking the cigarettes all the time. Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder. He was on with him. And so one of the things he was blogging was the latest uh, Dorf on golf. And they showed a clip, and when it came back, it was so unfunny. These were terrible. When it came back, Tom Snyder just goes, ah. (laughs) I hear Tom Snyder was not that nice a guy. You heard that? He Heard couldn't some... even fucking fake it. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Just every, like, every, ah. every series was canceled, <laughs> as you say. Um, Rose Marie, I found, became a fan of his and helped him early in his career. Did you know that? No. She took him under her wing and she helped him get on the Steve Allen show. Uh, won four Emmys uh, on the Carol Burnett show for his great work uh, and his great work with Harvey Korman. And he had a movie career. Uh, Disney movies like uh, The World's Greatest Athlete and Gus, which is about a... a 
a field goal kicking mule. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and then they the teamed him up with they teamed Don him up Notch. With Don Knotts for the prize yeah. fighter and, and, and Private Eyes and the Apple Dunk, Dumpling Gang. He's in a movie called The Long Shot with our friend Ted Wass. He had a movie career. And he worked well into uh, into the 90s and the 2000s. Okay, I was going to be in a movie called The Long Shot that they, I think they changed the name because there was already that movie called The mm-hmm. Long Shot. There was one this year, or last year, Long Shot with, with uh, Seth Rogen. Okay. There you I, go. I, I, was, I just had a part in this movie. It was with uh, Art Garfunkel was in it. <laughs> and it was made by that guy, what was his name, Perlman or something? Oh, you've mentioned this. The yeah. guy that got in trouble for new, with New Kids on the Block? Yes, The yes. guy who was scamming? He, he did some Lou jail Perlman. time. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. And then he <laughs> was you acu- a bullet there, Gil? He, he was accused of some other uh, stuff. Yeah, but they never proved it. <laughs> Listen to the episode we did with his uh, uh, Tim's old friends, Arnie Cogan, who wrote for the Burnett Show, and Bill Persky. Uh, it's a good one. You can find it now that all the episodes are free. Um, Carol Burnett said he was one in a million, not only a brilliant comedian, but a loving human being, and I cherish the time we had on screen and off. Um, really funny guy. And would have been great on this show. Oh, yeah. Although he was shy. I worked yeah. with him on the Mark Twain Prize, and he was he was a, a little introverted. Yeah, I think he was another one of those people who, if he wasn't performing... You got that sense yeah. a little bit. Um, one more mention of Artie Johnson. He has a connection to this podcast because he played Eddie Sherman in Bud and Lou. He's the one, he's the one, he's the one who gives that's... Lou Costello the strawberry muffin. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You know, Eddie, I had a lot of strawberry maltics in my day, but this one's the best. <laughs> and, and I remember Artie Johnson, when he takes out the strawberry malted, he says, here, I brought you a strawberry malted because you're a good boy. <laughs> Three guys who would have been gold on this show. Uh, oh yeah. boy, oh boy. Let's talk quickly. We have a screenwriter in our midst. Let's talk about a couple of writers and some directors. You're familiar with the work of William Whitliffe? Screenwriter wrote Lonesome Dove, Honeysuckle oh. Rose, Legends of the Fall, uh, The Perfect Storm, The Black Stallion. Wow. Co-wrote, had a, a nice career. Uh, Texan passed away. Uh, Mardik Martin, uh-huh. Scorsese's collaborator, who wrote Raging Bull. I met him once when I worked for De Niro a long time ago. Do tell. No, there's no story, unfortunately. Just he was very nice. Interesting man. Uh, was he from Iraq? He was a middle. He was Middle Eastern. He washed dishes. He fled Iraq during the draft to avoid the draft. He washed dishes to pay his way to to uh, to NYU. Met a young student, Martin Scorsese, right. and they used to write scripts in in his car. They used to sit. In, Scorsese didn't have a car. But, but Martin had a car. He said that they used to sit in his old Plymouth Valiant and write in the cold and the snow. Wow. How so many times did they collaborate together? Mean Streets, which was called Season of the Witch. Right. Before they changed the title. New York, New York, and Raging Bull with Schrader. Right. With Paul Schrader. Uh, Alvin Sargent, who was a, 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 a giant among screenwriters, died at 92. Paper Moon, Julia, Sterile Ordinary Cuckoo, People. yeah. What about Bob? Straight Time, Those, uh, Unfaithful. Uh, I love Straight Time. Dominic and Eugene, a movie I like the, the a lot. The Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, which are great. Absolutely. Started out as an actor, came to Hollywood to be an actor, is in From Here to Eternity. Right. In a bit part, Zinneman, working for Fred Zinneman, and then years later, he writes Julia. Wow. Which Fred Zinneman uh, gets to direct. Uh, Paper Moon, I love to death. Brothers with Herb Sargent. 
Yes, Herb was a friend of mine. Really? We, we eulogized Herb on a, on a previous show, uh, president of the Writers Guild. Yes. For a while, and a, and a lovely guy. Um, who gave I have him. friends who worked with Alvin, and they every single one of them talk about how he was such a mensch. He was such That's a nice pleasure to, to hear. work with. That's nice to hear. Um, all, all good movies. Um, you ever see a movie called Love and Pain and the Whole Damn Thing with Maggie Smith? No. He wrote that. Look at it. Look for it. A couple of directors. Um, D.A. Pennebaker. Yes. The granddaddies of the documentary. Really? Like someone on the Mount Rushmore of American documentary. Monterey Pop, Don't Look Back, Dylan documentary, uh, Must Seize. John Singleton died uh, rather young at 51, sadly, of a sudden of a sudden stroke. That is a terrific movie, Boys in the Hood. Oh, so good. He, um, he wrote Boys in the Hood, I read this, while he was an intern on the Arsenio Hall show, which is actually also where he met Ice Cube. How about that? And then he was a PA on Pee-wee's Playhouse, and that's where he met Lawrence Fishburne. So working kind of he behind networked scene, well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he uh, basically put that movie together by working all these other jobs. Grew up in South uh, Central uh, LA and made a, and made a very very good film about it. Here's a name. And I, by the way, I should say at, at 24 years old, he was the youngest person and the first African American yes. to be nominated for Best Director. Yes, we should mention that. This is a guy, uh, James Frawley. Do you know the name? Oh, the yeah. director of the Big Bus. Yes. He was the guy, one of the guys behind the Monkees. He also directed the Muppet movie. Right. He directed the pilot he, for the Monkees. Yes, he directed the pilot. He was handpicked by Rafelson and Schneider, the guys who created the Monkees. Uh, and they gave him, we had Mickey Dolans on this show, and he gave Jim Frawley a lot of credit because he, he came from an improvisational background. I mean, two of those guys were musicians. They weren't, right. they weren't actors at all. Dolans and Jones were actors. Tork and Nesmith were musicians. They weren't actors. They weren't comedians. Uh, and they, they said they owed a lot to him. Uh, and Torque is another one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to been. that. Uh, He's probably, uh, Frawley's probably the only person who could say he directed Orson Welles, Bob Hope, Milton Berle, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, and Mel Brooks all in the same movie. And Kermit the Frog. And Kermit yeah. the Frog. And Austin, they're all in the Muppet and movie. And podcast guest Austin Pendleton. Yes. Um, Stanley Donnan, we were talking about two for the road. Stanley was 94. Boy, what a body of work. Sort of like the last. I think was he was the last of the, the of Golden, the golden age, directors. age directors. Uh Charade, Two for the Road, On the Town, uh, Royal, God, Wedding. Royal Wedding. Uh, Seven Brides. It goes on and on. Um, Dazzled, uh, Funny Face. You said Singing in the Rain, right? I was, gonna, I was saving Singing in the Rain for last. Started as a dancer at age 10. Uh, Fred, saw Fred Astaire at age 9, said he changed my life as a little boy. Got to direct Fred Astaire late wow. in life in Royal Wedding. That's cool. He directed the famous scene where Fred Astaire dances with the, with the, the coat oh. rack and then dances on the ceiling. Oh, jeez. Stanley Donnan's And then, work. by the way, decades later, directed the Lionel Richie music video Correct. Dancing on the Ceiling. Correct. They went to the right guy. And, uh, and that's, that's the movie where they, they talked about how they did it and they built an entire room with the furniture nailed down and it was a revolving room right it rotated yes and and so it was and that to me is so much more fascinating now you now with computers they do anything they want and when i hear stuff like that that incredible yeah and i think that's Basically, the idea that Kubrick used. It may have been. In, uh, in 2001. It may have been. With uh, right. 
obscure delay. Can you believe around. this man was never nominated for an Academy Award? That's insane. Not even nominated. Not only did they not give an Oscar to my friend Michael Weber, well, which I mean, is an outrage. But Stanley Donnan, this is <laughs> an all-time great. But I have another reason to hold uh, to have hold a grudge against. Them. I read one crazy thing about about his career in '93, later in life. Uh, he was going to direct a movie musical adaptation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde starring Michael Jackson. How about that? Oh. <laughs> and then I'm all the allegations started coming out and the project uh, died. I'm glad but he didn't. But that is... Uh, <laughs> that, that would be scary for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's a little known Stanley Donnan uh, picture. Movie, movie. With red buttons oh, and George Art Carney C. Scott? and George C. Yeah. Scott and Harry Hamlin. I need to see, see that. See if you can find I have it on DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. I'll bring it to you. Uh, and see Charade, the best Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made. Yeah. And, and definitely two for the road. Uh, he was a New Yorker and uh, late in life, not from here originally, but made New York his home. And Elaine May was his companion. He never got enough credit for Singing in the Rain. It never was really, got enough uh, credit. Sort of, they kind of spent their lives sort of battling over who was the real true author it's of that a movie. shame uh online on youtube you can find a wonderful uh uh clip of him getting an honorary oscar from mm. martin scorsese and he does a little song and dance in 1998 here's a couple of other people um quickly as we run out of time and like i said we never get to everybody these are a couple of uh, wonderful actresses we lost um uh, carol lindley from the poseidon adventure i i, I once sat on a plane Boy, you talk about this could have been a disaster movie. I sat on a plane once years ago in between Carol Lindley and Sylvia Sidney. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a disaster movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was like Airport 97. Yeah. Yes. Starring Gilbert Gottfried, yeah. Helen Reddy, <laughs> Sylvia Sidney, and Jimmy Walker. <laughs> wow. Carol Lindley... Uh, no, I might be. Oh no, no, never mind. It wasn't Carol Lindley. Yeah, it was, was it Carol Rutger Lindley? Hauer? No, it was. It was Rut <laughs> hey, you know what? Before the end of the show, we'll do it at the end. Before the end of the show, I gotta call my sister and tell you this Rutger Hauer okay, film we'll let you is do gonna it. fucking kill me. Let me get through these names. Did she he was play a soldier in something? Yes, yeah. in Soldier of Orange. No, not that <laughs> one. He was in something else. <laughs> God damn. We listed 50 of those credits. Let me get through these names, okay. and then we'll do it at the end. She okay. was a child model. She was born in New York. She had a not a, not a very long career. In a good uh, couple of Otto Preminger movies, The Cardinal and Bunny Lake is missing. But she is in the Maltese Bippy, the, oh, the, the, the Rowan and Martin oh. movie. Oh, boy. And she's in a movie I watched recently, which I just thought was terrible. And I love Jack Lemmon. I saw her in a movie called Under the Yum Yum Tree, which is a sex comedy with Jack Lemmon and Paul Lind. Oof. And Edie Adams, she's very good in it. Not a good movie, but she had a short career, like Sue Lyon, yes, who died at seventy-three. Lolita, ah, um, not a long career. No, no. And, and with with James Mason, James Mason, yeah. and Peter uh, Peter Sellers as Claire Quilty. Yeah, uh, she's in a very good movie called The Flim Flam Man, which I will recommend to you with she's, George C. Scott. She's someone who left Hollywood and didn't look back and yeah. and seemed to really have a, a very healthy life after being a performer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, married five times. You oh. mentioned people who got married that a lot too. were on the list. She was 14 when she was cast as Lolita. They could not cast uh, a 12-year-old, as as was in the novel. The reason I was saying that before, there's that great letter that came out after she passed away that uh, I guess she wrote. Yeah, to Kubrick. Uh, to Kubrick. Yeah, I saw that sort online. Sort of uh, uh, wishing him well and looking back on the time they spent together. And you just got a sense that this is someone who, who uh, sort of had no regrets about that time and Kind of had moved on with her life. And like Carol Lindley, a very short career. Here's a, another medium cool reference, Verna Bloom. Oh, yeah. You know that actress? She's in After Hours. Scorsese used her. She's in The Last Temptation of Christ. She was married to Jay Cox, the critic, and and, and Scorsese's frequent collaborator. Um, she's in the first movie directed by Peter Fonda, Hired Hand. And she uttered one of my wife's uh, favorite lines in the history of cinema, which is in the climax of Animal House. She played Dean Wormer's wife. Right. And she's the one that says, you can take your your thumb out of my ass anytime now, Carmine. <laughs> <laughs> she was in High Plains Drifter. She worked a lot. Sylvia Miles, Gilbert. Oh. 94. Jeez. A New York City fixture. Jeez. You must have met her. You must, I, have, I, you must I, have run into her in your Sylvia, travels. Sylvia Miles was one of those people who whenever you went to any kind of New York event where they'd be serving free food or have, like, paparazzi around, she'd be there. You <laughs> always saw her. Sure. She was one of those fixtures. And who was her co-star in uh, Midnight in my Cowboy? Midnight Cowboy, her co-star? Dustin uh, Hoff. Oh, wait, wait, uh, uh, John MacGyver. <laughs> He's setting you up. Yes, uh, as, as Crazy Daniel. Yes. You're going to yeah. stroll back, Joe Buck. <laughs> You're going to need it. You know he takes requests. And, and, I teed and that up. I remember when she did, she did like one scene in Wall Street. Yeah, she's in the, in the sequel, too. And and she said of she said in an interview, because you know her scene stood out. So she said, "I play the Bronson Pinchot character in Beverly Hills Cop and the Gilbert Gottfried character in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Love it, amazing. Yeah. Love it. She was the original Sally Rogers. Oh, replaced wow. by Rosemary. She's in Evil Under the Sun. She's in Wall Street. She's in uh, with with our friend Peter Rieger. She's in Crossing Delancey. Uh, uh, Crossing Delancey. Yeah, terrific. She's movie. in. She's she's in everything. She had a long career. I bet she was a great storyteller. And yes, she would have been a wonderful guest. We didn't get to her. Uh, last on my list here of of actresses, we lost Julie Adams from Creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh wow! The former Little Miss Rock, uh, Miss Little Rock, Arkansas, moved to Hollywood at age nineteen. She wound up working with Elvis, with Charlton Heston, with Glenn Ford, with Jimmy Stewart, and and being cast uh, as the heroine in, in Creature from the Black Lagoon made her famous for decades. Um, and uh, she was married to Leonard Stern, Ooh. who was the showrunner on Get Smart and created I'm Dickens, He's Fenster. Oh, and he also cre- he also invented Mad Libs. Yes. Wow. <laughs> how's, wow. That for, how's that for weird yeah. trivia? John Ashton and uh, Marty Ingalls. Correct. Yeah. And Sylvia Miles, going back one, famously dumped a plate of food on the head of the critic John Simon in a restaurant when she got a bad review. And and match that. Oh. Did we mention uh, the Death Wish writer? Or is he in the next one? I believe who? Uh, the, Brian Garfield. Brian I Garfield. Think. That might have. Do we have that for this year? No. That might have been 2018. Uh yeah. No, no. I think he. I think 
think uh, he died this year. Rayburn, you want to you want to handle that one? Oh, I got Christ. nothing on him, but we can mention yeah. him. While while you're looking it up, I gotta call my sister. <laughs> and this is gonna fucking. Kill me. Brian Garfield died December 29th, two thousand eighteen. Eighteen. So I, three I days. Co- I covered him last three year. Three days. Wow. I want to mention some music names quickly. Uh, Dr. John Leon Redbone, Rick Ocasek, the leader of the Cars, Dick Dale, the inventor of surf music, surf rock, Daryl Dragon of the Captain and Tennille, uh, Jack Sheldon, the voice of Schoolhouse Rock, wow. I'm Just a Bill, we just passed, passed away, he was the band leader on the Merv Griffin show, uh, Hal Blaine uh, from the Wrecking Crew, Michelle Legrand, composed one of my favorite scores the thomas crown affair yep god damn it i love that movie norman jewison's still alive best we uh, can't get him on the damn show best title sequence ever. oh it's fantastic I, I, so great with dusty springfield andre previn died and of course gilbert mentioned peter tork um who we didn't uh, we also sadly did not did not get to um and would have loved to talk to him um but we paid tribute to him many, many times and when we had uh mickey and and Mike on the show. Have I left anybody out? Carol Channing. Carol Channing. Let's talk about Carol Channing quickly. Gilbert's left the room, but we'll talk about <laughs> Carol Channing. Uh, thoroughly what? Modern Millie. Oh, yeah. Skidoo. She's in Skidoo. <laughs> we should have put her at the top of the list because she's in Skidoo. Yeah. Gentlemen uh, Prefer Blondes on Broadway. What a career. What a career. Uh, lived in 97, an icon of the American theater. I like what Bette Midler said about her. My condolences to the world, to those who knew her and saw her, and to those who never got the chance. She was the first celebrity to perform uh, at a Super Bowl halftime show. That's cool in stuff. In 1970. Gilbert, what do you got on Carol Channing? Carol Channing. Did you I, meet her? I did. Tell us about it. I did. <laughs> Your shirt wasn't Mario Cantone doing an impression? His dead-on impression of... One time on the Comedy Awards... Uh, 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 George Slaughter thought it would be funny to have uh, just me and Carol Channing on stage together, just talking to each other. They wrote some, yeah, uh, just uh, some funny thing together. Do you have this? Yeah, I, I'm of- sure it could be well, looked up. Let's get wow. it from George. You know, maybe we could find that. It's just and- you and Carol Channing. Yeah, just me and Carol Channing. Wow. I don't know what to say about that. And you want to hear what a dipshit I am? <laughs> uh, Go on. What a major league dipshit. I, I asked my sister, I said, what was the movie that you fell in love with, Rutger Hauer? And of course, the first movie I mentioned, Blade Runner. Oh, my there God. And go. that was it. But he was good in that. We At least to... she picked up the phone. <laughs> we basically have to start the podcast episode over now. Yes. Start over. Go back to the beginning. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, here's I got one more. Go ahead, go. Oh, Franco oh. Zeffirelli. Oh, we forgot Franco oh. Zeffirelli. Well, he worked with Gilbert's favorite with Olivia Hussey. Oh, who, who has yes. a crush on Gilbert? Yes. Did you see? Uh, did you see that movie in the theater? Like, how old were you when you saw Olivia Hussey? I was a kid. Yeah, that was a big deal. I saw it in that high school. Was. They played it in high school, and you were just everyone. Well, was that's like, the best Romeo and Juliet yes. movie, isn't it? Uh, and there have been many. He worked with Antonioni. He worked with De Sica. He had a he had a big career. He was a big career on the stage, and they directing say, operas. Here's a crazy fact and about him. And surprisingly, Jewish. Franco Zeffirelli, <laughs> yes. Jew, a Jew. Yes. Who knew? What? <laughs> you learned so much. By the way, he was a blood relative <laughs> of Leonardo da Vinci. 
No. Wow. Yes. yes. Wow. wow. We yeah. started with a blood relative of, of Napoleon Bonaparte, and we ended with a blood relative of Leonardo da Vinci. And only, the show has come full circle. One of only eight Italians to be nomin- uh, nominated for Best Director. Oh, wow. Only I wonder eight. how many I can name. You want to, Let's try. Well, Scorsese. No, no, no. I, like, from Italy. Oh, I oh, thought you meant Italian-Americans. Oh, no, not Italian-Americans. Oh, well, then Visconti. Yes. Bertolucci. Wait, no, Visconti was not... Okay, was Ber- not, Bertolucci, Bertolucci, and he yes. won for The Last Emperor. Yes. Chico Marx. Chico Marx. <laughs> 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 Fellini. Yes. Uh, 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 De Sica. No. Oh, shit. Uh, Italian-Italians? Italian-Italians. How about um, uh, 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 Carlo Ponti, uh, uh, Sylvia, uh, Sophia Loren's husband? Nope. Son of a bitch, I'm doing badly here. Antonioni? Yes. Uh, 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 I'm out. I'm out of I'm out of Italians. Roberto Benini. Oh, Benini. Yes. Uh, Gilo Pontecorvo. Okay. Um, what about Rossellini? Uh, 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 nope. Ingmar Berg, uh, Ingrid Bergman's Pietro, husband. Pietro, I don't know how to pronounce it, Jeremy, divorced Italian style. Yeah. Good movie. And Lena Wertmuller. Wirt- oh, Lena Wertmuller. Right. Yeah. See, see the oh, sexist in me? I don't even beauties. think of a woman. Yes, and swept With, away. And now, now uh, that actor I thought of having on the show. and we, we He's were, hilarious. Giancarlo Giannini? Uh, yes. I don't think his English is yes, very see, good. that's what you <laughs> well, said Somebody to me. bitched me Charo the last week. question <laughs> you, I said, we should get him on the show. And you said, does he speak English? Because <laughs> that could you be You have pitched me several people who don't speak English, <laughs> including famously Papillon Susu. Uh, yes. She's out keeps there. coming up. Yes. She's out there. These are quick names. Uh, Sid Haig, Spider Baby, Sid, Sid horror Haig, legend. Yeah, and Spider Baby. Jackie he's, Brown. He said that he he once uh, went into Lon Chaney Jr.'s room, and he said, oh, they're calling for you on the set, Mr. Chaney. And, and Chaney got mad at him and said, hey, we're working together. You don't call me Mr. Chaney. I call you Sid. You call me Lon. How about that? Wow. How about that? By the way, Sid Haig turned down the Marcellus Wallace role in Pulp Fiction. You are good, buddy. That was the that was Tarantino wrote it for him. Oh. He turned it down and it went to Ving Rhames instead. And then I guess sort of as a do-over, he ended up with a smaller part in He's in, in Kill He's in, in Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. He's in Kill Bill too. But Yeah, yeah, Tarantino used him. Uh David Hedison died, Gilbert. The 92. Fly. He was the fly in 1958 opposite Vincent Price. He was the star of, with Richard Basehart. Help Bassard me! Of... Help me! <laughs> Help me! <laughs> Very good. Also, and, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea with Richard Basehart. And I think Vincent Price has a line in The Fly where he goes, He's got the murderous, bloodthirsty mind of a fly. And I thought, A fly? Is that really vicious? <laughs> They seem pretty docile. <laughs> he also played Felix Leiter in a couple of Bond films. Right. David Hedison in Live and Let Die and License to Kill. Here's a music guest and a comedy guest, the seventh, the uh, the unofficial Python, the seventh, uh, uh, or I guess he was the, uh, how many Pythons were there, seven or eight? He was the unofficial member. I've lost track. And uh, and a brilliant satirist, Neil Innes, uh, mm. creator of the Ruddles with Eric Idle. Huh. Uh, Scotty Bowers, somebody Gilbert pitched forever. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, Hollywood's male madam. Yes. <laughs> the stars <laughs> wrote that infamous tell-all book. Uh, full service. Full service. But that documentary came out last yes. year, uh, Scotty Bowers and the Secret History of Hollywood, and the documentary is phenomenal. Yes. Uh, it was 96. 
Um, Gilbert and Gino pitched him endlessly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beverly Owen, the original Marilyn Munster. Oh. Who was later replaced by Pat Priest, was eulogized online yeah. by, by Butch Patrick. Here's a name, uh, Mr. Weber. Do you know the name Carmine Caridi? Uh, yes. Gilbert knows yes. who he is. Carmine Caridi used to hang out at Catch Rising Star. He was supposed to be Sonny Corleone. Yeah. Wow. But he was too tall to, to act opposite Pacino. Oh, my God. And, James and I think Conn they said cast. it drove him a little crazy because he was a little crazy. He played one of the Rosado brothers. Coppola threw him a bone uh. and let him play one of the Risotto brothers. He played Carmine Rosado. You guys talked about this on the Danny Aiello episode. We did. Um, in Godfather 2. He's also in Godfather 3 as Albert Volpe. And, he, and he's also in a movie that's a favorite of mine that we talked about on this show with a former guest, and that's Prince of the City. Yes, he's in Prince of the City. He's yeah. in Ruby. Love that movie. He's in Bugsy. He's in The In-Laws. He, he did a lot of stuff. Look him up. You'll recognize him. You'll yeah. say, oh, that guy. And last but not least on this short list, Michael J. Pollard, who, uh, you, who you brought up before, who has something in common with Gilbert. Okay. And what is that? I, I was, when I was taken out of this horrible film called Another You, that was the last of the Gene Wilder, yep. Richard Pryor, and they got rid of, they got rid of the director first, and then a few of the cast, and scraped old previously shot footage, reshot it, and I was replaced with Michael J. Pollard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I thought they'd replace me with Rob Lowe or something. <laughs> that that wasn't even the thing I was thinking of. You no. both played a famous Superman yes, villain. Miss Mr. Yes Picklick. <laughs> we both played Miss Yes Picklick. Wow. Me there and Mal Michael J. Pollard. And, oh, no, no, it was the Penguin that Paul Williams Paul Williams did, played did. the Penguin. So, yeah. by the way, to really bring this all the way back around. Go ahead. Michael J. Pollard was supposed to be the lead in Brewster McCloud, and then Robert Altman came on the picture and wanted Bud Court instead. There you go. Not sure it would have made a difference. No. Yeah. Still have been pretty, pretty out there. He's one of those 70s actors. He's one of those guys that sort of defines 70s cinema. Yes. Because he didn't really make it into the 80s. As as much yeah. of a, as much of a presence, but but well, Bonnie and Clyde was made in the '60s, but you know, Little Faust and Big Halsey, and and a lot of those pictures. Um, he was one of those actors that every single person you could show him a picture and they'll go, "Oh, oh yeah." Oh, that guy. He was the original Hugo Peabody in Bye Bye Birdie. Oh. He was in the original Star Trek. He was Barney Fife's cousin Virgil on the Andy Griffith I show. I remember wow. that one. <laughs> he was, I remember yeah. that one because he was the fuck-up cousin. That's right. He was yes. the fuck-up cousin. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of bullets, gentlemen, unless there's anybody else. And there's, Of course there's plenty of people that we forgot. Peter Mayhew. Chewbacca. Oh, Chewbacca died, Oh, that's right. And Big Bird. Carol Spinney. These are all we'd have oh, to do. Oh, I met him because I did an episode of Sesame Street. There you go. Jan we, Michael Vincent. Oh, Mario's oh, favorite. Mario's oh crush. Oh, my God. Luke yes. Perry. Luke Perry. That was sad. And too young. Yeah. Lee Mendelson, who uh, produced a Charlie Brown Christmas and, yeah. uh, uh, Jan, and, and Jan, died on Christmas Day. Jan Weirdly. Michael Vincent once said, he goes, I, I lived too long. He goes, if I had died years ago, I'd be remembered like James Dean. Hmm. And he would have been. He was this handsome, you know, young actor, and he was going to be big. And it looked like he was going to be the next big thing. And 
Oh, God, that was hard. had a sad life. Thanks. One more. In the end. Go ahead. Wings of Desire. Uh, Bruno Gans. Bruno Gans. Yeah, and Downfall. Yes. He played maybe the best Hitler yeah. on screen, except for Gilbert in, yes. uh, <laughs> in the uh, Jeff Ross roast. Yes. Um, <laughs> we named a lot of people, and it's, uh, it's, it's one of the reasons we do this show is so that people can remember these these great performers. And I always think of that line at the end of Radio Days, where which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, where he says every what he says about the old stars of radio every year, their voices get a little bit more distant. So that's why you guys do the show. It's one of the reasons we do the show. And we, you know, I talked about this last time I was here. But everything we do now that we make TV, films, anything there, there's no, there's nothing now without everything that came then. So. Of course, of course, and and uh, and you know, we wish we could have gotten uh, some of these people here to talk. Uh, to talk to them, but I'm I'm gratified by the people we've had. I'm I'm you know we're coming up on 300 shows, Incredible. and I can't believe we've talked to 300. Gilbert thought we would do this for six weeks. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> yes. After the first show, I said, well, we tried. Yeah, and but, and I I always remember like, you know, we had on Will Jordan, and he was thrilled to be on the show. He told everyone he's thrilled, and then I visited him in the hospital, and he couldn't believe. That I would be make the trouble of visiting him, hmm. and I thought, you know, with just that story alone, I thought this is the reason we yeah. do the podcast to tell these people, thank you, we remember you. And Bill Macy, how proud he was to oh, be on the show, he and was that he, he kept begging us for a link so we could send it to everybody and all the people he knew and his poker buddies to 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 performers who are late and, in life and have been mostly forgotten. It's a nice. It's it's a nice pick me up for them. I think it's a nice reminder that they're still important. The certainly first to us. time, the first time Bill Macy almost died, he was in the hospital, and he called us because he wanted to play uh, the interview for all the doctors and nurses. At the we'll save it. We're gonna we're gonna do a special Patreon episode uh, for for our patrons uh, where we talk about the uh, the people that we did have on the show that we lost this year. Uh, so we'll do that, and and Michael's going to stick around for that. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Thanks, Dan Spaventa. Thanks, Stephen Varley. I'll tell you who's who's not dead, and who's in the room. The late Rayburn. No, he died. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a vulture nibbling at his inside. He gets memorialized every episode. <laughs> I re that, I realize that's true. You're memorialized in every single podcast episode. There are minor internet he is a minor internet there celebrity. There are maggots crawling through his eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> this was a, you know what? This show had it, it would take six months to watch all the things. <laughs> You're not on a mic. Nobody can hear you. Are you are you still looking up Rutger Hauer films? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we love you. Thank you guys. Thank you, Sirius. Thank you, Starburns. Thank you, Michael Weber. Thank you. See you on Patreon. When I was just a little girl I asked my mother What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me Que sera, sera Whatever will be, will be The future's not ours to see Que sera Said I, what will be, will be. 
when I grew up and fell in love, I asked my sweetheart, what lies ahead? Will we have rainbows day after day? Here's what my sweetheart said. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera, what will be, will be. Now I have children of my own. They ask their mother, what will I be? Will I be handsome? Will I be rich? I tell them tenderly. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. 